Floating flames of fire, a confused cacophony of languages, the sounds of the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit that gave birth to the church, a church that would span thousands of years. This quirky story is one that many of us have heard before and remember listening to it the days of old in Sunday school as we were coloring on those fun coloring pages Christian and Ansel keeps bringing home from our Sunday schools. We've had a chance over the years and over the many times of hearing this story to picture ourselves in it, to situate ourselves among the disciples and receive our very own flicker of Holy Spirit power. But what if our place in this story, this beautiful Pentecost story, was not on the inside of the house, but instead from the outside looking in. As we read this story together with fresh eyes this morning, I invite you to picture yourself on the outside of the house and with the onlookers and the crowd that amasses. What questions might you have of what you overhear? How would you feel in overhearing this wonderful chaos that occurs. Join us now in hearing this story anew from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered. Because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. My friends, this is the word of God given to each of us as the children of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Now, I believe I've mentioned before that one of my favorite ways of praying is through music. And so there's a, a song that connects me to this theme of Holy Spirit 
And I'm going to sing the refrain, and you might know it. And if you do, join with me as we sing this prayer. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. God, as we sit in this moment, we ask that we would feel your presence with us, that your spirit would indeed fill us, that we might hear clearly what you have to say to us this day. Amen. So this prayer, this invitation of the Holy Spirit to be in our midst, for the presence of God to become tangible, is one of the many reasons why today, Pentecost Sunday, is one of my favorite days in the entire liturgical calendar. I long to know what it feels like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like the disciples were on that day of Pentecost, to feel the warmth appear above my head and to be able to speak in a language that I have never spoken before. Last week, our youth director, Rebecca, shared with you that she was an Enneagram 7 and likes to be involved in all the things because she is afraid of missing out on something important. As an Enneagram three, I am more afraid of missing something because I want to have everything right. I need to have everything right. I have a habit of comparing my life with the life of others Because I am wondering if I am doing the right things, if I am checking the right boxes and doing all that needs to be done so that I am not missing something important. Even in my own walk of faith, as a pastor, I look to other pastors and to other people who have walked the faith a lot longer than I have, wondering what they might be doing because they seem to just get it. Well, how are they praying? How are they reading scripture? Because something inside of me has to be missing something. When I look at people who have the fullness of what it might look like to feel the Holy Spirit, that passion, that desire. And there are some days where I simply long for that and wonder, what am I doing wrong that I can't seem to find it? And I wonder if some of us in this room and joining us online this morning have ever felt that question for themselves. Why does it look like everyone else is doing this thing called faith well And I don't feel like I am measuring up. What must I be doing? What can I do better so that I might feel just a little dose of this magic? 
of this presence that everyone is talking about. I wonder that some of you might, like myself, read this story from the lens of the people who are on the cobblestone. Because every time I hear this story, I find myself on the outside looking in, wondering what on earth is taking place in that house and why haven't I been able to experience it? What can I do to get that dose of Holy Spirit power? So that is where we find ourselves in the story this morning. With a sack of harvest crops slung over our shoulders, walking down that cobblestone road headed toward the market in hopes to sell all that we have cultivated. When all of a sudden, we hear noises of a loud party coming from the house at the corner of the block. But instead of music and joyous laughter, we hear a multitude of voices talking all at the same time in sort of a confused and befuddled mess. Drawn to it, we lower our bags to the ground and sort of creep closer to the open window so as not to be noticed. Others around us are passing by, shaking their heads in frustration. It must be that new wine. But we, being up closer, can hear the distinction of languages. I could hear in my own native tongue, one that I haven't heard in years, as I have spent much time in Jerusalem, while you hear this talking in your own native language. And we wonder together, what does this mean? What is going on inside this home? And so we creep ever closer and maybe try to peek our head all the way in. And what we see is simply unimaginable. Open flames on top of heads and small flickers, not contained by anything. Almost like that story of Moses that we heard as children of the burning bush that didn't actually burn. And so we knew at that moment that something holy was going on, that we were missing something important, but we just don't know what that is quite yet. Now we as readers know a little bit of the details of what is going on in the story. We know that the flames above the heads are the Holy Spirit flames that Jesus had promised to the disciples at the day he ascended, just 10 days prior. We know that the speaking of tongues was a product of the Holy Spirit. But what we don't know is what that felt like. What might it have felt like to actually be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could do the unthinkable? What did that look like and feel like for the disciples? 
And what might it mean for us today to feel the power of the Holy Spirit for real and experience it for ourselves? Part of this question, I think, can be answered for us with a different story, another Pentecost-like story, but from the Old Testament. Yes, the Old Testament, the story of Nehemiah. You see, Nehemiah was a Jewish man who found himself in the service of the king of Persia while the Jews were in exile. Everything he once knew about his life, growing up in Jerusalem and going to the temple for worship, was utterly destroyed. The beloved capital city, the vibrant city of the holy city of the Jews, was no longer the way it once was. And so after years of being in service to the king, Nehemiah prayed. And in prayer, he felt nudged to do something, to rebuild a little piece of what home looked like, the wall that surrounded and kept Jerusalem safe. And so Nehemiah found favor with the king and convinced him that it would be beneficial for Persia to rebuild Jerusalem's walls because it was in the perfect place for, um, for trade. And so you needed to keep an asset safe. So that is what Nehemiah set out to do. He gathered as many Jews as he could who were still in the Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, and they worked tirelessly to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem by hand. Despite all of the accounted tales of enemies trying to thwart their efforts, the wall was completed. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, the story goes on to tell of a great gathering of Jews from all over outside of the gate, outside of these brand new walls. For the first time in years, Jews were able to gather together in the holy city where they once were able to go for worship. And at this gathering, they listened to holy scriptures that hadn't been proclaimed in years. They heard these scriptures be explained so that they could understand them. They worshiped together. They prayed together. Could you imagine what that might have felt like after years of being separated from your family and your friends, having to do this thing called faith all by yourself and in secret for fear of being persecuted? And yet here they were, finally gathered together. I wonder if there were any dry eyes in that congregation. Could you imagine what that could have felt like? The relief, the hope, the freedom, the camaraderie, 
I could imagine how joyous, how uplifting that would be. After that holy moment, just as the crowd was about to disperse, Nehemiah says this, Go, eat rich food and drink something sweet, he said to them, and send portions of this to any who have nothing ready. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad, because the joy from the Lord is your strength. The joy from the Lord is your strength. At first glance, this probably does not seem like a Pentecost-like moment. A moment where the Spirit of God was so present that you couldn't help but feel it. But when you look at the Hebrew word for joy that is used here, shedva, it is only used one other time in the whole Bible. Both times, the word indicates that it isn't just simply joy and happiness. Rather, and it's something more, something that is entirely divine, something only attributed to God. However, here in Nehemiah's words, we see that this divine joy is not reserved only for God, it is shared, it is given to God's people as a gift, something that is God's, given to us, so that we might have strength. If we look at our Acts Pentecost story in this way, I think it takes on a whole new meaning, a whole new light. What if that moment where the Holy Spirit descended and being filled with the Holy Spirit is a gift. It is something that is entirely God, given freely to us, so that we might do things we could have never thought possible. But the thing about gift-giving is that it is a two-way interaction. A gift can be offered but it also has to be received. A few days ago, I got a text from my friend who is in North Carolina. Now my husband this weekend for Memorial Day weekend is up in North Carolina spending time with his former unit, which is something that we wanted to make sure we do every time a special holiday holiday like this comes up. We want to remember with the people who were present and who also remember our friends who were lost to us. So he is in North Carolina, and this weekend I'm here. But a friend texted me a few days ago knowing that I would have to stay here and says, I'm sending you a gift. I need your address. 
I live in Turkey Creek. We just moved to Turkey Creek a couple of months ago, and we found out that there are several different addresses that you need to use when receiving mail at Turkey Creek. You have your mailing address, which goes to this little post office place that you drive through and pick up your mail with a key, and then there's your physical address that only a few places know how to deliver to. And so if you don't know what you're receiving, it's hard to give the right address. So what I didn't know is that my friend was trying to send me my favorite cookies through Grubhub, which you need your physical address, but I gave my mailing address. And so a few days after she asked me for that address, she said, did you get my gift? I'm like, no, I've been checking the mailbox. I haven't received anything. And she says, it was supposed to be Grubhub. I didn't receive her gift because I was not fully open and ready and prepared to receive that gift. I wonder... I wonder if that is what it, a portion of what it means to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift that God has given to us, God's presence with us always. What if we need to be open and ready to receive the gift? Because gift giving is a two-way street. You've heard over the last several weeks about trips that this church has taken to Cuba a few weeks ago. I didn't have the opportunity to go with the church, but I went to Cuba in 2015 with my campus ministry at the University of North Florida. And on that trip, I gathered with other Cuban college students for worship and study and talking about what college ministry and connection looks like between the Florida Conference and the Cuban Methodist Church. It was a wonderful experience, but I didn't realize that there would be such a stark difference between the way that we worship and the way they experience worship. They are a wonderful and vibrant worshiping people and very charismatic in the way that they feel the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. So much so that at times, if they get so caught up in the Spirit, they sometimes look like they lose control of their, their bodies. And it was a very interesting experience to witness as I was learning for myself different ways that people worship. But my friends who were Cuban, some of them would trip over chairs or fall to the floor experiencing a full-bodied experience of the Holy Spirit. And my other Cuban friend who was a dancer did gracious, beautiful circles up at the front of the worship space. And I had the question, what was I missing? Why didn't I feel the Holy Spirit in that way? Not that I really wanted to, 
But what was I missing? What passion, what piece of this experience was I missing that I could maybe understand a little bit of their charismatic expression of what it looks like to be in the presence of God in such a different way? What can I do differently? My friend who was on the trip with me, who was a little bit more adultier than I at the time, was someone who grew up in a Pentecostal church and had some experience with this type of expression. And she said to me, you have to be open to receiving the experience. You have to be open to receiving the experience. Now, friends, I don't think I will ever be open to receiving that particular experience. But I believe that there is some truth to that, that when we long to receive the presence of the Holy Spirit, God continually offers that experience to us. But we, within our own hearts, have to be willing and ready and open to receiving that experience. But what might openness look like? And I think there isn't one right answer because each and every one of us has a different walk of faith. We are different people who come from different places. And so, of course, our experience of God and what it looks like for us to be open is going to look different. It's not something that can be compared because it is for us. So maybe openness to you might look like cracking open the Bible that you have been meaning to open for the longest time, even if you don't know where to start. Maybe openness for you is following the gentle tug on your heart to try something new. Maybe to step into a different aspect of ministry here at Trinity. I'm thinking of our new Feast of Friends opportunity as a small group way of getting to know new peoples, to show up just as you are, just who you are, and offering yourself to an experience that you might come to really appreciate. Maybe it's simply showing up. Showing up right where you are, expecting to experience Christ's presence through the power of the Holy Spirit right here and right now. No matter what openness looks like for you, friends, I believe the beauty of the Pentecost story is that it isn't just a one snippet moment. Pentecost happens daily. Pentecost continues to happen over and over again because we believe that the Holy Spirit is always present, is always at work, longing to give us the gift of Christ's presence with us, 
longing for us to feel what it feels like to have an experience of the Holy Spirit, empowering us to do things that we never thought possible. That very Spirit is present with us right now. The question is, are we ready and open to receiving all that this gift might give to us? Are we ready to be filled with something new so that we might go out and share this gift with others? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.